Welcome to Aperia, the podcast, where we discuss the great questions of classical Christian education. We're your hosts. I'm Tim Dernland. And I'm Danielle Dillenschneider. Join us as we navigate our way through the labyrinth of questions. So today we're going to talk about our experience with Aperia in classical Christian education. So, Tim... How did you get into classical Christian education? I'm indebted to a lot of people. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that is my older brother, Steve Dernlin. Um, so I have three older brothers, grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Ohio, and um, ended up studying education at Purdue University. And as I was studying uh, an undergraduate in education in the late 90s up there, my brother started telling me, hey, there's a better way than what you're studying. There's um, this thing called classical Christian education. He had enrolled his daughter in a classical Christian school in St. Louis, a little school up there. And so um, I, I was trying to figure it out. I graduated. I, I, I taught in a public school for a year, and it didn't feel right at all. Just not comfortable, wasn't. I didn't know why, but it just wasn't quite right. And at the same time, I kept calling Steve and saying, what's omnibus? Uh, what is rhetoric? <laughs> like, what What exactly is going on here with grammar? I thought it was a, a subject, but it's a stage. Like, what, what is all this? He, he, uh, so th- he sent me a pamphlet from Greg Strawbridge on classical Christian education. And, and um Dr. Strawbridge just gra- uh, just uh, passed away uh, suddenly this week, and so that was sad news for the classical movement. But it was his pamphlet and the influence of my brother Steve, and I just kept asking questions. Uh, I-, I was experiencing aporia, right? I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, help me out. And so I kept calling him, and he was just wise and, and, and uh, took me through it. And, uh, and so then I started discovering... So uh, I got married, ended up having four kids. We were homeschooling them, um, and and by then I was fully embraced in in wanting to provide a classical Christian education for my kids. And so I paid my $25 to become a homeschool member of the ACCS. Kept a little plaque hanging over my uh, my uh, office uh, desk <laughs> at home. And we were, we were teaching classically. I was just digging into every site that I could find for curriculum and an understanding of how to teach classically at home and what it is. So that's, that's a little bit of it. Um, so it's, it's uh, how about you? What, what was your genesis of uh, being drawn into classical Christian education? Well, because I assume you didn't grow up. <laughs> I didn't actually. Um, I I knew I wanted to teach back in high school. I didn't know exactly how or when or what. I had some really fantastic teachers, um, and they really taught kind of classically. Uh, and we did a lot of discussion, that sort of thing. And I, I didn't really like reading for a long time in my life. I'm not a very good yeah. reader, and now I teach literature, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, but I... I was just a slow reader, and I, I just struggled to get through pages. I'd zone out or get lost or whatnot. 
but finally just kind of had a breakthrough in uh, Mr. Drew Campbell's English class, uh, and it, it just really sparked a love of the subject for me, and decided to major in it my senior year, uh, spring, and didn't know how that would go, and I, I was looking for advice, you know, where should I go to college, what should I do, I know I want to study this thing I want to teach, and I had gotten advice, you know, go uh, to, a, to a place where they can know your name, and I knew I wanted to go to a Christian college, um, college counselor pointed me in the direction of the University of Mobile, where I studied there under some really fantastic professors, uh, Dr. Mashburn, Dr. Schuler, uh, Dr. Abernathy, Dr. Mitchell, and they really taught very classically in the honors program. We did honors uh, English, philosophy, theology, history, and I mean, it was fantastic, the integration of subjects. Mm. And um, I was getting towards the end of my four years, and Justin and I were engaged, and you know, we were looking at what do we do, where, what are we doing after we graduate? And one of my dear friends, uh, Mallory Cersei Dawson, she had graduated a year before me. And she's so phenomenal, but she's got this energy. And she is always one of those people that is going to say, hey, you need to do this. You, need, you should do this. You should apply here. Come do this with me. Come hang out with me. I'm a very, like, I'll stick by myself. I'll, you know, play the safe road. But she said, oh, you need to come. You need to apply to uh, Bayshore to teach. I think they need a they need another English teacher. I've just applied. I think they're hiring me, and I'm trying to convince them to hire you. I'm so indebted to her. It's been an, an amazing journey. So I started teaching there in 2015. This is my seventh year teaching at Bayshore, and I started just you know in order to apply, you have to do all this reading about classical Christian education, and a lot of the concepts were really familiar to me because it's a lot of how I learned, and so I just got into it and was thankful to have a job. You know, I, as an English and humanities double major, I thought I'd just be waiting tables. And so to actually be able to, you know, not be super, super without a specialized job or just going directly into grad school, having work experience, doing the thing I loved, it was such a blessing, so thankful. And so I've just been learning on the job ever since. <laughs> That's really kind of an aspect of it. It's a, a, a great place to learn on the job, isn't it? Just having uh, colleagues to talk with and sharpen each other. So I, w one other thing, so I, you said something about not enjoying reading, um, and now you do. Mm -hmm. I was the same way. So I, I was at Purdue University mostly for wrestling. That's why I went there. I wanted to major in single leg takedowns. Chosen major a couple couple weeks in. I mean, a couple couple years into. What's a single leg take down? <laughs> that's a that's a wrestling, that's a wrestling move. That's a wrestling okay. move. So, loved yeah, sure. loved wrestling, and that mm -hmm. kind of took me into uh, going to college, and then again discovered discovered education later. But didn't enjoy reading at all. Um, actually, was was awarded uh, male athlete of the year at Purdue and was allowed to start my master's there because of that, that they would pay for. I didn't start a master's at that time because I thought that was only for smart people. And so I got a second undergraduate degree and then it wasn't until, um, my son was born, my oldest son, and I was holding him and looking at him and thinking, all right, I need to change careers. And this, that was, um, that was 17 years ago. I was a college wrestling coach. And so I put myself on track at that point to get a master's and doctorate. And that was about when things clicked for me. And I started to love reading. 
And I just started reading everything I could. I was 30 years old by then. And, um, and so went on to, to Lehigh and then to Ashland to pick up a couple degrees and awesome doctoral program at Ashland. They let me uh, tailor a number of my classes toward classical Christian education and theology and had some, some great professors there and, and then started running into people like Keith Nix, um, who's a, a great head of school and, it was just just a lot of fun, and so many people helping me on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Matt Beatty was uh, an administrator in Ohio, and so I got to do my doctoral dissertation on spiritual formation in classical education versus classical Christian education versus um, non-classical Christian education. So Matt was an administrator at Mars Hill in near Cincinnati, Ohio. He let me come in and study with the students on spiritual formation when everyone else was keeping the doors closed just saying oh wait who are you no we we don't know you we're not gonna let you and so he was good and then and then later in my career running into Wade Ortego um an administrator just uh lots of helpful people just sharing documents with each other and in my first classical Christian education job was at uh, a school in Delaware and the folks there were, were so kind and uh, welcomed me in. But before that, uh, a little school in Ohio let me come in and work with their board for a year and a half to help them start a classical Christian high school. So I got to volunteer teaching rhetoric and logic. And it was just fascinating. So just I'm bouncing all over with some things that, that influenced me. But it's just been it's just been so fun to see. I never thought I'd be here, right? Now I'm living in lower Alabama. It, working uh, at Bayshore with uh, with you, Danielle, and and that's been. I'm so glad God brought us together, and so that because you're you're just one of the um, best teachers I've seen in the movement, and just to be able to like even do this with you and, and sharpen each other, it's been it's been a lot of fun. So, well, thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's been really fun to to learn so much. I think. Uh, kind of in theme with our podcast I I know that a few years into teaching really I just I started to hit walls Hmm. um with what I thought I knew um you know that first year teaching it's just horrible (laughs) (laughs) hey I agree it was for me too I was like oh no this is not quite what I thought it would be well it's just like you have a presentation in every single class every single day and you know, I was teaching so many different subjects and, you know, I had some really great coworkers and people. What all um, have you taught? How many different, <laughs> different subjects? Um, I've taught seventh through 12th grade, taught all those grades. And I've taught, uh, really literature every era from ancient to medieval to modern. Uh, some of the great works that, you know, I'd read once maybe in undergrad and kind of like didn't really always get, and then all of a sudden you're teaching it and you're like, great, I don't know anything about this. Um, and then I've also taught, uh, you know, writing classes, composition, rhetoric, which I've loved. I had never really taken a speech class in my life before. And somehow they just said, sure, why don't you te- teach rhetoric? <laughs> that's kind of writing. Um, and uh, that's great. Uh, cool. So I learned so much and I love rhetoric. And uh, I got to teach art history, which is just so fun because I... I love art. My mom's an artist, and I've grown up going to museums with her and, and just 
uh, I, I, it was just, that was fun. And uh, anyway, so I, I've taught so many different subjects, and I really think there were a couple of times, well, almost every day probably in that first year of teaching, but then uh, really poignant moments in my second and third year of teaching where I just really reached the end of myself, and I thought, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I really, like, mm. not just the whole sort of first year of teaching, trying to figure it out as you go, but um, moments where, you know, you're trying to lead a discussion and you don't know why it's not going well. Uh, or you're trying to grade papers and you don't even know how you can put a grade on it. <laughs> Is there a specific uh, time that you can think of when you were trying to lead a discussion? or Was it your first year of teaching or just something like, oh, wow, this is this is not quite right. <laughs> so many convoluted, how do you grade students on discussion and, and, okay, you need to have this question, you need to have a quote, and you need to have I had just had so many hoops they had to jump through, and I, it was so hard to keep up with, and I couldn't tell, and it was almost like I was trying to make sure that people had actually done the reading, and then I kind of realized later that even still, through all my efforts, they had kind of gone around it. So, so it's just sort of it's perplexing. You're like, what do I do about this, you know? Um, and uh, I'm trying to think if there was one particular one. I remember, um, you know, trying to teach Ovid's Metamorphoses and just being like, this is great. Uh, I've, you know, this is fun. And what, I was what grade level? Was uh, tenth grade. Okay. And um, it was almost easier with the younger students because you sort of expected to have to do a little bit more explaining. But you were teaching older students, and you were trying to draw them into conversations. They just really, you know, sometimes didn't really know what to do. But then, you know, I don't, don't mean to make it sound all horrible. I mean, obviously, there were beautiful moments that I really enjoyed. Uh, we used to teach um, the Psalms as a part of, uh, and like Hebrew poetry as a part of our ancient literature in 10th grade. And um, just even having students write Psalms uh, mm. and, and model you know, what it's like to write a lament and that sort of thing. Um, those were other good times where it helped me, even as a teacher, to just do some of the assignments that I was giving my students to sort of voice my concerns and my frustrations and, and sort of the state of confusion that I even felt at times. Um, it's clearly so life-giving, this form of education. I love it. Um, wouldn't choose to do anything else, uh, but certainly can also be very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I've, uh, I've, God's kept me in a state of aporia by, especially in, in my early teaching career. Um, so I, I taught, um, drama and I also taught, um, sixth, seventh and eighth grade math. Um, you, you probably didn't know that, did you? Did, yeah. It was awesome. You teach math? I loved it. I loved it. Oh yeah. Especially, especially, um, so it was some of the students that were struggling mm -hmm. and to get them to the point where they were um, actually doing some more advanced concepts sometimes than, than some of the other class. It was fun. So math was fun and then and then teaching logic and rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so my other undergraduate degree is in communication. So I was able to teach uh, college public speaking for three years. And that was a blast. I loved it. I loved it. Of course, we call it uh, rhetoric and have the five canons, but I just used that uh, in the in the college classroom. And um, even though it wasn't specifically the curriculum we were supposed to, but it was awesome. It was fun. And then we had a couple students that um, that needed some independent study at one of my schools, so I got to teach um, systematic theology 
which was awesome to dig into that. And then, uh, and then even, oh, I got to teach K through 10 PE for a semester. It was wild. <laughs> it was wild. So to, to I, I, I couldn't prepare a different unit for every Mm-hmm. every uh, class because there was just too much because then I was also an administrator too and mm-hmm. it was they wanted me to learn all the kids names so they said teach PE for a semester and and also be the administrator and it was it was fun but um, teaching first graders lacrosse was awesome it I was love lacrosse it, 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 <laughs> yeah, it was it was so much fun oh, you played over in, in Tennessee mm-hmm. oh, yeah. all right a couple years it was fun cool mm-hmm. yeah. cool yeah so yeah I just Teaching was fun. I love administration, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably more wired for that. I enjoy it a lot. I think God took me through some of those teaching experiences to just get a little bit of taste and know a little bit what's going on throughout a school as as an administrator. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was going to ask, how did you make the leap from teaching to administration, and and why do you feel like this is a, that's that's more your calling? In some ways, it was more of a, a leap from college coaching straight into it because I mm. I kept getting pulled into that um, I think because of my my success in wrestling but I just um, I like big moving pieces like I just like the uh, the structure and the opportunity to frame things out so then the the masters uh, the teachers can can do do the good work and uh, and so I just like framing things out and just the concept of systems thinking and mm-hmm. um, budgets, and I'd run a little business uh, before and grew it, and then sold it to my friend, and just the that idea of growing and recruiting and marketing and just all the different pieces that, that go into it is fun. But I, I wanted to add something: if if folks are interested in getting into classical Christian education, um, we talked about kind of how we were drawn into mm-hmm. it. What would you recommend to them? So uh, if if what ways can people get up to speed and kind of get more understanding and be pulled into this movement? Well, I mean, there there's such a wealth of information. Anytime you, you search online, I think you might probably know a few more uh, things. That I, I know you do a lot of digging and that sort of thing online. I will say that for me as a teacher, um, I, I learned so much more about my craft of teaching and really fell in love with it in a, a deeper way when I went uh, to... Eastern University's Templeton Honors College, they have a, a Master's of Arts in Teaching program mm. for classical Christian educators, um, or really classical educators, but obviously it's a, a Christian university. It changed my teaching approach, I mean, drastically. Uh, gave me a sense of uh, why we do things the way we do. It was the first time I've really had systematically explained to me, broken down uh, this, this whole idea of the history and philosophy of education from the ancient times to now the modern times to thinking about things and, and statements we say things like the good the, be- the true the beautiful it was kind of vague to me before and then we studied those things in depth I mean I'm I'm just indebted to, to professors like uh, Dr. Brian Williams and Dr. Fred Putnam and Dr. Phil Carey and um, just Dr. Amy Richard so many others they, they were just fantastic and I learned so much from them and uh, have carried so much of those lessons and the conversations we had. I mean, it was, it was a very unique program, you know. Um, so many people 
when they get into classical Christian education, they've never really learned in a classical way. Mm. Uh, they've never really done a lot of discussions. And like I said, I had done discussions in high school and in college, but to actually learn how to foster, facilitate that sort of atmosphere, I, I had never experienced that. And so I would go up there for five weeks over the summer and, you know, for six hours a day, we would have discussions, three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. So, um, I've heard you refer to those professors several times mm-hmm. and as, as we've talked um, and gotten to know each other. What was it um, specifically that um, grew you the most or some, some specific concepts you learned? Did you experience uh, Aparia in that whole process? Oh, so much. Yes. I think, you know, obviously it was rigorous because it was a lot of reading and discussion day in and day out. I think a couple different things that really formed me in that experience. I saw that you could be a really fantastic teacher and be different from other teachers. You know, like I think uh, Dr. Williams had one approach. Dr. Putnam had another. Dr. Carey had another. Dr. Uh, so Richards within, had within another. Your yeah, there's so much diversity of teaching. Okay. Even um, in, in terms of approaches to discussion or material, uh, we, they, we just really practiced it. You know, we didn't just sit and do a bunch of lectures where we took notes. I mean, there were some days where we had presentations like that, but then there were times where you know my fellow ho- cohort members would discuss or, or would lead a presentation or whatnot, where we would just discuss and we would sit in silence some mornings and and just think about it. We would write. I mean, it was just. It was honestly a beautiful learning experience, and um, it was a beautiful area to, to be and to explore. I think another experience was just what it was actually like to be a student again after I'd been a teacher. Mm. I think mm. that was something really challenging because um, it's, a, it's something that we talked about a lot, that the, the sort of fear you almost experience when you're a student again, uh, you kind of forget that your kids come into your classrooms a little bit afraid of what's going to come sure. at them. And, you know, I think that was very, it, it was very, oh, what, what am I, I'm a teacher, I think I know what I'm doing, but then maybe they're going to ask me a question or, you know, like ask me to read something that I don't understand and I have to kind of almost be a student again. I mean, it was, yeah. it was amazing. Uh, and it, it's something that's, you know, stuck with me for a while. And... I would say the only other thing that, um, not the only other thing, but one of the other m- major things that really stuck out to me was what it meant to be with a cohort. Um, a lot of our classical Christian schools are small, and our students are with each other for, you know, eight hours a day, or, you know, there's not that much diversity. You're with those people for your day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand that experience because I went to a bigger school, yeah. um, and I didn't have the same people in my class. I didn't see the same people all day. But to actually experience, you know, being around the same people for hours at a time, I mean, it's it shows you so much more about yourself um, through that and helps you learn to, to communicate with and love other people um, who have different perspectives, different experiences at, at a much deeper level than mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, most educational experiences make you do, which in some ways is very life preparatory because when you go work in a job, Oftentimes you're not working in these massive organizations where you just don't know people. You're 
working with the same people day in and day out, and sometimes you butt heads with those people. Sometimes sure. you disagree. It's like being brothers and sisters, yeah. you know, living in close mm-hmm. quarters. Yeah, so you learn how to work with them. So I think that's it. What about you? Do you have other resources, recommendations? I know I just talked so long about <laughs> the MAT. No, that's fascinating. One, one more thing before mm-hmm. I respond to your question. Mm-hmm. So uh, you had this amazing group of teachers. Mm-hmm. You probably um, learned and picked up some things that you wanted to incorporate and some things that you thought, ah, that, that style isn't going to quite work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you have, did you notice some of that? Like, Pardon? like great teachers, but mm-hmm. just wouldn't work for your style and how God's wired you. Yes. Yes. I think, um, yeah. And I, we need, we need that we do. diversity of teachers. I, I don't feel like one of my favorite things to do is to lecture. Uh, I can do it at times when it's necessary. It's not one of my favorite things to do. But, you know, Brian Williams is brilliant, and I'd listen to anything he, you know, gave a lecture on, you know. Um, and, and Dr. Carey, yes, you explain Augustine or Plato all day to me. Like, tell me about the Greek, <laughs> tell me about the Latin, whatever. Um, I think uh, Dr. Putnam is a, an excellent example of somebody who could lead discussion. He was a, he's a master, and mm. that's something that I, I took away a lot from, from that. And it really suited my personality and the subject that I taught. You know, I just... I learned a lot from from him and just by watching him do it more implicitly even than what he explicitly stated it was just always just watching the way he looked around at the students and and was comfortable with silence and and would even try to control his own desire to speak up and and step in you know it it, it taught me so much that's great mm-hmm. that's great so for you uh how what would you recommend to people who are trying to learn a little bit more about classical Christian education, if they're experiencing, you know, this sort of perplexity, you know, that sort of thing, what would you recommend to them? Uh, There's so many materials out there now. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't recommend that people necessarily go get a degree, a master's or a different um, type of formal training. Uh, For me, I jumped in and did a lot of self-education through uh, the Association of Classical and Christian School websites. So went on and probably found 50 to 80 um, schools who just had recommended book readings, had curriculum, um, the way that they would phrase what they do on their website. Each one was different, and so I just poured into it, and we didn't we didn't have television and, and uh, intentionally for about the first 10 years of our marriage, and so I would just um, pour into gleaning and reading um, different recommended books by Lewis or um, different different specific books on classical Christian education from Wilson and others. And, and uh, it's a starting point, and then just digging into it deeper and deeper was, was a lot of fun. I liked that time in my life to learn and grow. It's uh, just some of my favorite memories. My kids were young, and I was trying to figure it out, and just just self-education. It was just exciting. Uh, and so for me, I've noticed about every three years, I'll kind of feel like a, a plateau and kind of uh, coast is a bad word, but feel that way. And then, and then dig back into um, the desire to learn and grow and be super humbled and like, wow, I don't know anything about how to do this thing that we call classical Christian education and then pop up and grow again. 
and feel like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm on a high. I've really gotten to another level and then plateau and like dive in again because I don't know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. so it's been fun. And then just getting around people, uh, like I said, like you and other friends that I've made around the nation and just kick ideas off each other and, mm-hmm. and challenge each other. I mean, we're, we're trying to recover thousands of years of lost education mm-hmm. and we're so far from being great at mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and doing it with beauty and yeah. excellence and and I like that process. I want to see what this is going to look like in a few hundred years. It's exciting. I do. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of my hope for this podcast that it can become a a resource for people who are trying to learn just a little bit more about it, trying to really refine their crafts, especially if they're already in classical Christian education. I mean, maybe uh, there are some people out there listening who you know, don't really know much about this, and this is their first exposure to it, um, and that'd be great. We'd love to help people make some sense out of it, but uh, especially for people who, you know, I remember being early on in my teaching career, just wishing to have something that would help me kind of process at a comprehensive and deeper level what is happening, and and why is it that some of my traditional understanding of of what education was about and how to do it, why is that not really aligning with Mm. what we're trying to do in classical Christian education? Where is it really, there's a little bit of a deeper conversation that needs to be had about um, just our our different values of what we are trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, um, what culture we are trying to pass on, and and to even uh, realize you have to do the thing that you're trying to teach your kids to do, right? Um, if I want my students to be virtuous, whole, flourishing human beings, am I doing that too? Am I virtuous or trying to be? Am I flourishing? Um, yeah. Or am I, you know, actually kind of tired and miserable and mm. uh, bringing that into my classroom, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, my, my wife has been doing a good job of that, um, Kara, we have four children. She tries to read um, at least a couple books from each of the kids' assignments throughout the year. So she's always trying to self-educate and be informed with what they're doing so she can have conversations with them and lead them mm-hmm. and guide them and grow. And she does a great job of modeling um, lifelong learning for them and engaging with them and mm-hmm. And, and I, I failed to mention my parents. My dad took me through Calvin's Institutes mm-hmm. in junior high and was taking me through scripture. And my mom was always reading to us. So when you're mm-hmm. talking about the modeling and just it's um, it's uh, it's neat to have people in our life who's who've influenced us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for parents who really cared about my education so much. Uh, growing up and I think continue to be so supportive um, right now I'm, you know I'm working through my doctorate and that is fun to to do a lot of that independent study oftentimes I'm learning a lot more about um, sort of the the depth behind public education and that, that system and it makes me appreciate classical Christian education a little bit more because I see how much more the teachers are trusted to um, to be working in conjunction with parents and with administration, and um, there's a lot more unity to it all, you know, and it's it's uh, really life-giving. And, um, yeah, I think in the last few years, we've just kind of experienced how 
you know, exhausting it can all be if we don't have the right mentality behind it. Yeah. Um, and it kind of can make, I think, I wonder too if there are people in the nation that are starting, are going to start to ask, why why do we even do school this way at all? Yeah. You know? uh, in the, the traditional, like, public school kind of way. Why do why do we have to do this at all? Which I think in, in some ways could be really good. I think so too. I, I hope that's uh, what God is up to with all of this or, or part of it. So um, real quick, you're doing your doctorate in curriculum and instruction. Is that correct? Yes. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. And you're, I think you'll be done within the next year or so? Maybe. Year and a half. Maybe. Depends Hopefully. on how long the <laughs> dissertation phase uh, lasts. You kind of know how that is. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, I'm really thankful to be able to be studying uh, all of that. It's going to be great. And then have your, your master's at, from such a great institution and have such great people that poured into you there and then be able to apply this practically as you're getting your doctorate. Um, give us a quick preview of what's coming up on the podcast and um, wrapping up maybe what we've talked about today. Or if you feel like uh, brainstorming in the moment, what your dissertation might be on. I just threw all kinds of things at you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. No pressure. Uh, I don't know if you really want to listen to me talk that long, but uh, I suppose you you are fine with it, Tim. Uh, so I think uh, I'll start with dissertation. I what give I've, you a lot. <laughs> I, I'm really not sure if it will all pan out the way I am initially conceive of it, but I've learned a lot from my pastors as well at uh, Mars Hill Church down here in Mobile in Fairhope, Alabama, and one of our pastors, Dr. Jack Hester, even though we never call him doctor, it's funny, but Jack researched for his dissertation, um, Thriving Pastors, and, and what led to their longevity in ministry, and I am curious about that for teachers as well, and administrators in classical Christian schools, so if I can, I'd love to research that, and uh, how to figure out how we can can keep, as you said, making it excellent, this, this form of classical Christian education that we're still really recovering. Um, And one thing that I'd love for us to do in this podcast is really to start tackling some really specific questions. Sometimes they're great questions in the sense of they're really grand, big ideas, sort of like the great ideas and the great questions of, you know, everything, uh, where it gets really philosophical, you know. But uh, I'd also like us to discuss some great questions in terms of, that's a great question that's a good Hmm. thing that I've never really considered or I don't know if I know how to answer that you know just as when a student asks you something like that and all you can really say sometimes is that's a great question basically (laughs) I don't know um (laughs) so those are the kinds of things I'd like for us to start talking about and I always find in some ways that it's helpful to start with the end and so I hope in our next series to pursue the question, what what's the end of education? And to kind of look at different eras and uh, modes of philosophical thought on uh, what their end of education was, how they did it. And I think in some ways that can help resolve a lot of the basic questions that people have of, you know, why, why do they have to study this subject? Or why are they in school for this long? Or, mm. you know, why in classical Christian schools do we teach logic and rhetoric or Latin, that sort of thing, you know, um, to maybe kind of just give a, a big, broad foundation. Uh, does that make oh, yeah. any sense? That's great. That's great. I'm enjoying these conversations with you. I'm looking forward to doing um, this uh, for as long as the Lord will let us. And, um, and I'm glad we can 
be having these discussions together. Me too. <laughs> Thank you.